Good morning. You're listening to Byesville Assembly of God on WILE. Here is lead pastor Joe Summers to preach the Word of God this morning. Well, happy Father's Day. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. We're going to be taking a break from our series in Habakkuk. We'll get back to that next Sunday. But today we want to talk about uh, Father's Day. It's going to focus more along those lines uh, for our message today. Have you ever heard the expression, man, they are the goat? Uh, they are the goat. If, you, if you're not familiar with that expression, uh, you might take that as an insult. You might think, well, what in the world is the pastor doing comparing some, a person, a human being, to a barnyard animal? Um, but if you've heard that expression before, you understand that this would be construed as a compliment. The term goat actually means this, the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. That term is used in a lot of different fields. It's used in the workplace, in the business world. But probably the most normal place that you hear that is probably in the sports world. Um, our, the idea in our mind when you call somebody the GOAT is they're the best person that's ever done it. Michael Jordan is considered by many to be the GOAT in the world of basketball. Uh, Tom Brady is considered to be by many people, the goats when it comes to NFL quarterbacks. Muhammad Ali um, would be considered by many to be the goat in the world of boxing. But the thing that's interesting about the terminology and the discussion you have about goat when it relates to the greatest of all time in different sports arenas is that, yeah, you can make very compelling cases for each one of those individuals, but then perhaps not everybody agrees with your statement. Maybe they think that another person is the best of all time. Maybe they put their, their, hang their hat with somebody else and say, man, I'm, I'm, I believe this person's it. And there's no undisputed greatest of all time in the world of sports. But today I, I want us to talk about a person because there is one. There is one person that walked the face of this earth that is the undisputed greatest of all time. Philippians 2 says it this way, that, uh, that we should let the, the mind, uh, this mind be in us, which was also in, in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That's awesome. He came to this earth. He empties himself. He becomes a servant. He humbles himself. He dies on a cross for the sins of all mankind. His love is extended to everyone who has breath. His forgiveness is available to all who call on his name. He came to set the captive free. He came to heal the brokenhearted, the suffering, the sick, and the hurting. He came to bridge the gap so that man could have relationship with God again. That at the name above, uh, that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the goat. He is the greatest of all time, undisputed greatest of all time. Somebody give God praise today, for he is alone is worthy of all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Hallelujah. He's the greatest. He's the undisputed greatest of all time. You know, as we transition that back, and you start to think about the, 
the Hall of Fame. And, and I think about the ones that maybe aren't the GOATs, but they still get into the Hall of Fame. I've, I've been to the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. I've seen the Steeler wing. They've got a whole wing of Steeler stuff. Big group. The Browns have a little cubicle. Um, but I, I've seen that place. And, and I've, one thing I've noticed is that every person that's in that Hall of Fame isn't necessarily considered to be the greatest of all time. But they all played significant roles on the team that they played for. With that thought in mind, I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 11 today. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in the church world, this is typically called the faith chapter. In this chapter, the author of Hebrews shares with us what would be a hall of fame of faith, as it were. The first two verses tell us this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. For by it the men of old obtained a good report. It goes on to say in verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. For those, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is a requirement for Hall of Fame status. Faith is a requirement for Christian status. Then the author of Hebrews starts down a list of individuals from the Old Testament who've made this hall, if you will. One thing that I notice that gives me hope is as I read through the names of these individuals, I recognize that they have flaws, they have failures, they had shortcomings, but they were all willing to step out in this idea of faith. None of them played it safe. In fact, if we truly have a faith in Christ, then there must be a definitive decision to step out and trust even when we can't see. After all, if faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen, then in order to please God, I've got to be willing to step out and trust him even when I can't see what the end result might be. Can I tell you, this is where the very essence of salvation even begins. When you feel a tug on your heart from the Holy Spirit that we need to accept Jesus, we need to accept the goat, the greatest of all time, into our lives. But can I tell you, that's just the beginning of where faith starts in the steps that we should be taking. We start this walk. We start this journey with him. We, we begin to dive into what his word says. We believe, begin to pray and to listen for him to speak. And when he speaks through his word, when he speaks to us through prayer, when he speaks through us through other people and other circumstances and messages, we write them down. Remember that from last week? We write it down. And then we act on it. We wait for God and we move in that way. Last week we talked about that idea that we wait for the promises of God to come to pass. And those are very true. There are a lot of places in the Bible where you see the waiting process that took place for God to move in different places in different ways. But I also want to understand this today. There are some things in my life that I've read in scripture that I've understand about the Lord that I don't have to wait for. You may say, well, pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Well, here's one. I don't need to wait for God to tell me to speak to other people about Jesus. I'm commanded in Scripture to share my testimony. I'm commanded to share his, my faith with other people. I'm not supposed to sit back and wait and not 
just not act. I'm instructed to take that step of faith and to go and to do that. There are some things that I've got to be patient for. There's some things that when God speaks, I've got to wait and write it down and, and, and pay the price of patience. But then there are other things that I know that are his will. And it, if it's his will, uh, like for instance, it's his will that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life through Christ. I know that. And if I already know that, then I'm going to walk in faith and I'm going to share with other people my testimony, right? I know that he wants a close relationship with me. And if I already know that, then it's my obligation to step out in faith and start prioritizing that relationship in my life, the time that I spend with him to to be near to him. I think that in our society today, the opposite of faith is twofold. It's fear and comfort. We have this idea that we want to play it safe. And as I begin to look down the list of those in Hebrews chapter 11, and as I did so, I found something, that when faith happened, a step was required. When faith took place, movement was needed. God spoke to Abraham, and he he gave him a vision of faith. Uh, the the people that would be his descendants would be as the stars of the sky and then he tells him to do what to go leave your father and mother leave your family leave the country that you're in and go to the place i've prepared the promise of the descendants of the stars in the sky didn't happen immediately that took faith that took a time of of processing and and waiting and, and writing down that thought process and That took the patience and the wait. But the process that said go and leave, that was something that was immediate. And so Abraham does what? He has to take a step to go to the place that God's instructed him to go. I think of when he offered his promise, his son as a sacrifice. He had to take the step. He had to get the stuff ready and to start up the mountain. It was a step of faith. Sometimes the step of faith that you might have to take is just the fact that you need to worship while you're waiting. Sometimes the step of faith is is moving us, but I think it involves us taking action of some sort, whether that's taking a step of love and relationship, whether that's taking a step of worship, whether that's taking a step of moving forward in our walk with Christ. All of faith takes a step of moving toward the things that we can't see. Because that's, as I read Hebrews 11, this faith chapter, it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And without it, it's impossible to please God. Why is that? Because God wants us to trust and to listen and to obey. And part of that trust, listening, and obeying is taking steps of faith, not sitting back and playing it safe. You know, I I think of other people that are listed here. and I'd like to just spend a little bit of time on a man um, from the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. His name was Moses. In Exodus chapter 2, we find Moses being born, and, and his parents had to hide him for three months from the Pharaoh who had ordered that all the babies had to be murdered. And divine providence puts him in a basket where he's found them by Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up in Pharaoh's palace, and one day he's walking around, and he sees an Egyptian that's abusing 
uh, a Hebrew. And he, the Bible says he looks one way, he looks the other way, and he ends up killing the Egyptian. And he thought he kind of got away with it until one of the Hebrews said, are you going to do that, what, to, to me what you did to that Egyptian? And so then all of a sudden word got out, and so he finds himself running for his life. He becomes a wanted man. His picture is up in all the post offices. He becomes a fugitive. And so he runs to this place called Midian. And while he's there, he meets a man by the name of Jethro, and, and Jethro welcomes him. He ends up getting married, and he starts to settle down. He has some kids, and, uh, and it's just life is just kind of good, and, and that's just kind of how he's kind of stepped back, and he's just comfortable. And then one day, he noticed this bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed, and he decides he's going to go up and check it out. And in the middle of that, God speaks to him to go back to Egypt because he's heard the cries and the groanings and the suffering from his people in Egypt. And in that moment, Moses has a decision to make. I either take a step of faith or I play it safe. As we kind of look through this, and we're going to kind of go to Exodus chapter 3 here a little bit and, um, and just kind of sum this up, but I want to talk about what happens when you play it safe. I want to talk about what playing safe will get you. The first thing is this, playing it safe will keep you trapped in the past. Playing it safe will keep you trapped in the past. Moses basically tells God, man, I can't go back there. My face is in every post office. People know who I am. I'm a wanted man. They're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me. And do you know, God, I was a failure back there. I didn't make it happen back there the way that I thought it should be. When we allow the failures of our past to impact our present, it will cause you to never want to step out in faith. Fear always keeps you tied down. We remember how we failed. We remember how we blew it. The pain is too great and the risk is too high. But we need to understand this concept that our failure is not fatal. When we fail, it's not fatal. Remember, every person in this hall of fame of faith has flaws and failures and shortcomings. But what did they do? They chose. They chose to step out of faith regardless of their past. Some of you need to get healed from those past wounds so that you can have the ability to step forward. Some of you need to get healed from your past failures so that you can be the man or woman that God's calling you to be right now in the present. So that you can lead your family, so that you can share your faith, so that you can pour out yourself to people, to you mentor and lead and guide, so that you can help reach a lost and dying world that's suffering. For Jesus. I failed in the past. That's okay. The past is the past. We've all failed. But if you're content on playing it safe, you're going to be trapped in that failure. You're going to be trapped in that past. When you play it safe, you get trapped there. Number two is this. When you play it safe, you get satisfied with today. You get satisfied with today. Moses could have just told God as, as he's talking to him in Exodus chapter 3 and kind of explaining things. He could have just said, you know what, God, I'm good. <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to stay right here. I've got my family. I've got my job. My life is good. I've got my kids. I'm just comfortable with this. And, you know, I really don't think I'm up for moving to Egypt again. I, I think I'm, I'm fine right here. 
How do you know we kind of get sucked into our to living for ourselves, and our lives become all about us? Selfishness has its roots in pride, and the moment that we start living for us and what we want and what we desire, then we start to neglect to see the great commandment come that Jesus taught us come true and to pass in our life. How do you say that? Because you will not love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It'll be a casual faith if it's even a faith at all. You will not grow because you see growth takes effort. You won't seek God because seeking God takes effort. You'll become satisfied with just enough to get by. And the pride that's going to grow in your life and the selfishness that grows in your life until you become more and more consumed with you. And when you're more consumed with you, the idea in our society today is we want to live at peace and we want to be safe. And to be safe, I keep everybody at bay and I just, I want to get comfortable. Our thought process is comfort. You won't read your Bible when you're comfortable. You'll, your prayer time will be null and void. You won't give of, you'll start to neglect giving of your time, talent, and treasure. It's a gradual thing. You won't be concerned about helping widows or those suffering or people in need. You're satisfied where you are. And unfortunately, after living your life that way, you look back and see that you sacrificed the life of your family, the life of your marriage, the life that you could have had with Jesus, all for the sake of comfort, on the altar of comfort. This can be a more dangerous place than those who are trapped by their past. Because the ones who are trapped by the past, at least they know why they're there. They know why that they're, they're trapped back there. But when you're satisfied with today, oftentimes this is a subtle, gradual tactic of your enemy to lull you to sleep and to get you comfortable with what you are and who you are and the things that are going on in your life and to keep you from advancing and moving forward. There's a statement that you've probably heard. It's so true. It says you either grow daily or you die gradually. And that's so true. So when you play it safe, when you play it safe, you're satisfied with today. The third thing is this. When you play it safe, you're afraid of your tomorrows. You're afraid of your tomorrows. In Exodus 4, Moses basically says, God, God, you're just going to have to get somebody else. I can't talk right. You just got the wrong man here. And he starts making excuse after excuse after excuse. And I wonder if sometimes we use the failures of the past to make us fearful of failing in things in the future. And so that fear grips and cripples us to take steps of faith. We tried and we fell flat on our face. I couldn't do it then, so I probably can't do it now. You know, I remember my first few years of youth ministry. They are probably not considered very successful by on many levels, but there were times that I thought I was stepping out in faith only to find myself failing. Um, kind of like Moses who saw the suffering of the Israelites in chapter 2. He jumps out and kills the Egyptian. And maybe that's not what God had planned, but it's what he did. And because he views it as a failure of his past, 
it perhaps made him fearful of stepping into his future. I, I remember in that youth ministry, we would plan events and have two kids show up. It just seemed like we were trying everything we knew to do and still nothing was happening. But then God opened the door. And he opened the door for me to go into middle schools and high schools. I was on five different school campuses throughout the week. But for me to get to that point, it it took a real step of faith because it made me, to be honest, it made me uncomfortable and it made me step out of the comfort of the present to be able to step into what I believe God was calling us to do in that realm, to do something that we hadn't done before and and to be honest, didn't really even know how it was going to go. It was this unseen thing. Remember, that's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And so didn't really know how this was going to go. And so you just take a step of faith onto the first campus. And then before you know it, another campus opens up and another campus and another campus and another campus. And we were on five different middle school and high school campuses, reaching people for Jesus, doing things. The youth ministry went from running about five to seven kids to running about 70 to 80 to 90 kids. There were times we had over a hundred kids in our youth ministry. Um, and, and God was really doing some great things there. But none of that would have happened if we just sat back on the failings of the past and allowed them to cause us to be afraid of our tomorrows. I wouldn't have seen the lives of many students find Jesus if I wouldn't have been willing to step out in faith. Some of you today, you're in that exact same position Can I tell you, take heart. Others have been there too. Moses was there too. I notice in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, there's a powerful thought here. And it says this, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. The key word there is choosing. You see, Moses made a choice. And for you today, you must take, make a choice. Am I going to take a step of faith and follow Christ and what he has me to do? Or am I willing to sit back and just play it safe? Are you willing to step out and lead your family in the ways of God? Are you willing to lead your co-workers? Are you willing to lead your church? Are you willing to lead your community? See, one thing I understand, not one person in the Hall of Fame, whether that's sports or otherwise, they never played it safe. They weren't there because they played it safe. Not one person in Hebrews chapter 11 is here because they played it safe. But they made a choice that says, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to step out and do what you've called me to do. As you read through the stories of some of these folks that are found here in Hebrews chapter 11, some of the things that God asks them to do are crazy things. There's people like Gideon in this book. There's people like um, David and Samuel in this book. There's people like Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. And God's asked them to do some crazy things. Abraham, go sacrifice your son. The promise, the the thing that I told you about the stars in the sky, this is the way it's going to happen. Just go sacrifice him. He made a choice. Today, you've got to step out and make a choice that you're going to want to see God move, that you want to step out in faith, see God move in your kids, to see God move in your marriage, 
that you're going to take a step of faith and you're going to live your life that will be Hall of Fame worthy. Why? Why am I worried about being Hall of Fame worthy? Because we have to understand more different than any other sports or any other arena where they've talked about the Hall of Fame. Our Hall of Fame when it comes to living for Christ is this. We're doing it all for the goat. We're doing it all for the greatest of all time. We're doing it all for Jesus. We do it for him. Today, I want to close with just a few things that, that kind of bring a life of faith into perspective. And, and I'm going to go through them quickly, and then we're going to close in prayer. A life of faith recognizes that God's already at work in your life. A life of faith recognizes that God's already making things happen. Why? Because you've, you know Him. You've read in His book. You've, you've prayed. You've Willing to step out and trust. A life of faith trusts that God's way is better. Notice it doesn't say that God's way is easier, but God's way is better. There are often times that God's way is not easier, but it's always better. Finally, a life of faith impacts others around us. It impacts others around us. When you're willing to step out in faith, I'll guarantee you this, because this is what God's all about. God's all about people. And when you're willing to step out in faith, what's going to happen is the lives of people will be changed. The lives of people will be touched. Our purpose should be to step out in faith and to intersect our lives with people's pain. God's close to those who are suffering, the Bible says. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to those who need Jesus. Are you willing to step out of faith? Because as you do, it will impact others. Hey, let's bow our heads and pray today. Father, I thank you, Lord. Jesus, you are the goat. You're the greatest of all time. And today we want to live our lives in such a way that we reveal our commitment to you in a positive way. That we would be people who would be inducted into your hall of faith. There's a danger in playing it safe, Lord. Today we want to be people who step out in faith. Holy Spirit, show us where we're playing it safe and what steps of faith we need to take. You know, as you're praying today, I pray that that's your prayer. Allow the Holy Spirit right now to speak into your life today. You'll hear His voice. If you're paying attention, He'll begin to share things with you. And I I want you to answer a couple questions. Number this, where are you playing it safe today? Where are you playing it safe? Number two, what steps of faith do you need to take today? As you're praying that today, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to begin to reveal things to you. That might not happen right now this morning, but rest assured it will happen. And if you'll be diligent in praying it, and if you'll be serious about the desire to change, God will do great things and you'll be able to see things happen in your life that you never would have dreamed possible. Maybe you're listening today and you have not made a decision to follow Jesus. The Bible says in Scripture that we, that we started with today that every knee would bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the goat, the greatest of all time. And sadly, if that happens after you die, where you confess and you bow your knee, then you're going to spend eternity apart from Him. But today, I I wanted to give you the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. 
to have the opportunity to take that initial step of faith that we talked about earlier. If that's you today, here's what I want you to do. I, I just want you to, as, as we pray this prayer, would you just slip a hand to the Lord as we pray? I want to invite you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, I need you into my life. I understand that you're the greatest of all time. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I take this initial step of faith and I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're so grateful you joined us today. I want to close in prayer and as we do so, we're just going to pray for the dads today. Uh, But uh, again, thanks for being with us. We're so grateful that you've joined us this morning. Father, today I pray as we close this time in prayer, I pray for every dad today. I ask God in the name of Jesus that you give them the courage that they need to lead in their home. I pray, God, that you give them the faith that they need, God, to to be willing to step out in the things that even they can't see, but to trust you completely. I pray that you'd renew their passion and their love for you, God. God, and as they do that, that'll renew their passion in their marriage. It'll renew their passion for their kids. It'll renew their passion, God, for, for the things of you. God, I pray today, let that happen in these dads. Let the power of the Holy Spirit rest on their heart and in their life this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today. Have a happy Father's Day. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Byesville Assembly of God on WILE. We hope you are encouraged in your relationship with God. Tune in next Sunday at 11 a.m. to hear us again. God bless you and your family from all of us at Byesville Assembly of God.